Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far for the kingdom, from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. May the Lord bless his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. The Lord Jesus Christ had to face, uh, had to answer different hard questions. We don't need to uh, go very far away to see how he had to answer some of those hard questions through his ministry. In this same chapter, we read there in verse 14 about one group. Uh, we read there uh, that, uh, verse 13 rather, and they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and the Herodians. So that's one of the groups. And they came with a question, and we find this question in verse 14 at the end of it. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And then we find uh, the Lord's answer to that question. Later on, there was a second group that came to the Lord with another hard question, humanly speaking. And this question, the second group, we find it in verse 18. And this second group was the Sadducees. Then come unto him the Sadducees. And then we find in verse 23, after they give him a story, then verse 23, this is the question. In the resurrection, therefore... When they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven hath her to wife. And now we come to a third group. This third group was formed by only one man. And this third group is this man we find here in verse 28, this scribe. And one of the, scri the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and so on, we read there at the end his question. Which is the first commandment of all? And then, from there on, we've read this short conversation that the Lord held with this man. Now, pay attention to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end, uh, at the end of this conversation in, in verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, he said to that man, You are close, you are close to the kingdom of God. And tonight, I'm going to show you, if you are here tonight, 
without Christ, I'm going to show you through God's word that in some way you are like this scribe. Like this scribe, we're going to see that tonight. So if you are in some degree like this man, like this scribe, the Lord is telling you, you who are without Christ, but you're here tonight, the Lord is telling you the very same words. He's telling you, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you are close to the kingdom of God. But we are going to see something else. Because we are going to see that though you are not far from the kingdom of God, at the same time, to be close, to be close to the kingdom of God is not enough. Close to the kingdom of God, but being close is not enough. So we need to answer some questions here that we find. Three questions, actually. First question, why was this man close to the kingdom of God? Why was this man close to the kingdom of God? And we learn here, we read, that uh, he was close to the kingdom of God, or he wasn't far from the kingdom of God, as the Lord said to him, for two, uh, because of two reasons. The first one, this man, this scribe, was a man with a spiritual concern. With a spiritual concern. We've seen, I've, I've mentioned, these two other groups. That they, the group of the Pharisees and the Herodians, and then the second group, the, the Sadducees. Now, let's, very briefly, let's, let's pay attention to the question they brought to the Lord Jesus Christ to answer. Because these men, the Pharisees and the Herodians, if they were two groups that hated the Roman Empire more than anybody else, that was the Pharisees and the Herodians. Nonetheless, they came with a question concerning giving honor, supposedly, to, this, to Caesar in verse 14. We've seen that. It is, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And the reason why they came with this question, that they didn't care at all, it was because of what we find in verse 13. This is the reason. Verse 13, the Pharisees and the, and the Herodians, they came to Christ with this question to catch him in his words. So these two, these two kind of people didn't have any concern, any spiritual concern about this question. They wanted to catch him with his own words. So this was a hypocrite uh, question. Now we, ha we, we come to the second group. What happened? The Sadducees, verse, verse 18. Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there's no resurrection. They didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't believe uh, in the resurrection. This group, the Sadducees, didn't believe in the resurrection. So they come with a story concerning resurrection. And they say to the Lord, and they put this question, verse, thir verse, verse 23, in the resurrection, what are you talking about? You don't believe in resurrection. They were hypocrites. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall, be, shall she be of them? So again, they said that in order to try to catch him with his own words. So they were hypocrites. They didn't have any spiritual concern with, uh, when they came with these questions. But this man, this scribe, was different. Look at again in verse 28. 
And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he, that is Christ, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? You see, at that time, the Pharisees, they had uh, such a big list of different commandments uh, that they, they, they put every, uh, 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 all the different commandments, God's, God's commandments, and also man-made uh, commandments. And they put, put them in the list. And there was, actually, it was a whole mess. He knew he, what, what was the first commandment and the most important of, of, of them all. So this is the, uh, this is the concern of this, of this man, this spiritual concern. It was a very lawful question. Now, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, you will see there that the parallel passage, we read that this man came to the Lord to tempt him. Now, don't be misled by that word, because that word is translated in some other places to try. Uh, even that word is used when the Lord says that he tries our faith. So, depending on the context, it can, it can mean something evil or wicked, or it can mean something good. And in this context, we see that this man, having seen that the Lord had answered those questions, though those people came to him with a wrong attitude, he answered them correctly. He answered them wisely. He answered them well. So this man came to the Lord with this, spirit, with this spiritual, very important question, uh, showing that he had this spiritual concern. And to some degree, if you're here tonight, you have also some spiritual, spiritual concern. You're not anywhere else. You're here tonight, singing those hymns to the Lord, listening to this funny accent, but you're listening to the gospel. So in some degree, you have some spiritual concern. Something is bothering you within you, and you know it. I don't need to convince you. If you are without Christ, and you're here tonight, there is something in you that is bothering you, some questions that you have in your heart, in your mind, that you would like to bring before the Lord, because those questions right now, without Christ, you think there is no answer for them. And nonetheless, you have this spiritual concern. And for that reason, as the Lord said to that man, the Lord says to you that as well. You are not far from the kingdom of God, you are close to the kingdom of God. But there was another reason. This man was, uh, he was close to the kingdom of God because he was familiarized with the Lord and with his word. This man was familiarized, or he was familiar with, the Lord and his word. We read that this man was a scribe. Now, scribe, in, the, in those times, it was a man he was, uh, who, who was in charge of teaching the scriptures to teach the law of God to the people. So in order to do that, they had to have a good knowledge, a deep knowledge, even knowing that they were able to memorize and they knew large passages from the Old Testament scriptures by memory. So this man, he knew in his mind, by memory, many passages. And you see here, for example, he was able to when the Lord answered that question, and he quoted, the Lord, quote, the Lord quoted uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 14, and so on, uh, and on. And this man, he could recognize that the Lord had answered well. Why? Because he answered uh, according to the Old Testament scriptures. So this man had this knowledge, and he was familiar, familiarized with the word of God. But at the same time, knowing him, he, he knowing him, 
uh, the Old Testament scriptures, he knew all those passages, uh, or most of the passages, that prophesied concerning the promised Messiah. The one who God promised in the Old Testament, the Messiah, who was to come in due time. So he had those passages, he had the word of God in his mind, and just in front of him was the fulfillment of those passages that he had memorized throughout his years. So for that reason, he knew God's word in his mind, and just in front of him had the one who was the fulfillment of those passages that he had in his mind for those reasons. The Lord told him, here, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And not only that, but he reasoned, right, this man uh, argued correctly with, uh, with the Lord, so the Lord told him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And again, if you are here tonight, in some greater or smaller degree, you have some knowledge of the word of God. And you have been familiarized with the Lord. You know who is the Savior. You might not have the Savior in your heart, but you know who is the Savior of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need to prove it to you. And for those reasons, you are familiar with the Word of God and with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And for that reason, the Lord, listen, it's not me. The Lord is telling you, for those reasons, you are not far the kingdom of God. You're close to the kingdom of God. But there's a second question. The question is this. Why to be close to the kingdom of God is not enough? Why being close to the kingdom of God is not enough? And this text, this text, this passage tells, uh, shows, uh, is teaching us that there's two aspects why, though this man was close to the kingdom of God, that wasn't enough. The first reason, salvation does not depend on a mere external religious life. Salvation that does not depend on a mere external religious life. See, when this, man, when this man came to Christ, this scribe, he knew God's word, and the Lord saw him, and the Lord heard him, uh, that he reasoned correctly. We didn't read here that the Lord said, what? I see, you are, you are, you are familiar with the word of God. You're, you have this concern, this spiritual concern. So, don't worry. You'll be all right. You'll be in the kingdom of heaven. Sometime, someday, you will be in the kingdom of God. Don't worry. You're all right. We don't read that, do we? And the reason why is that those things, though those things make a person be close to the kingdom of God or not being far from the kingdom of God, those things don't get a person into the kingdom of God. Though you have a spiritual concern that you are familiar with the, word, with, the, with the word of God and even with the Lord himself, you know who is the savior of sinners. Those things, in and by themselves, if they are just external, they will never save you. You are close to the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. But those things will not save you. They didn't save 
at that time, they didn't save that, 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 that scribe. So that's the first reason why. To be close to the kingdom of God is not enough because salvation does not depend on a mere external religious life. But there's another reason, and the Lord tells us that here very clearly. To be close to the kingdom of God is not enough because no man, no man can obey God's law perfectly. No, nobody can obey God perfectly. Some people think, when we come to this passage, some people think that this passage, when, of course, there's several applications, but when the Lord told this man the law, or the summary of the law, the Lord was not telling him, here, do this for your sanctification. The Lord was showing him, through these words, that, to this man, that for him and for anybody else, it's impossible impossible for us to obey God's law and therefore it's impossible for us to be saved through our own obedience to the law of God. Look at the emphasis of the Lord Jesus Christ here. Verse 28. And by the way, I'm just going to focus on the first part of the Ten Commandments. Those commandments have to do with obedience to God. Because of the time, I'm not going to go uh, to uh, commandments uh, four, uh, sorry, 5 through to 10. Uh, just those that are focused on the Lord, on our obedience to God. And we, re we read here in verse 30. Those that love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. Tell me when, just for one day, one day, when have you, I, anybody, when have you loved God with all your being? Nobody has. Even more. Because the Lord is not only, only saying here that we must love God with all our being in order to keep his commandments perfectly and then be accepted before him. But we also read here that it's not only with all our being, but with all the aspects of our being. And this was like a hammer to this man when he heard these words because the Lord told him, and remember this man, he's a scribe, and he knows the Old Testament script, or he knew the Old Testament scriptures by memory. And the Lord told him, you must obey your God, you must love your, the Lord your God with all thy heart. Now, if he had brought to his memory that passage, for example, where, where, we, read the, where we read in the prophets in the, in the prophets our heart the heart is desperate wicked is deceitful and desperate wicked so this man when the lord told him that you must love your god with all your heart then that passage god's law would come to him and would tell him well it is impossible for me to obey god with all my heart because my heart is deceitful uh, is wicked and deceitful about everything 
And again, the next aspect. You must love your God with all your soul. And again, Ezekiel, we read there in Ezekiel that uh, the Lord says, uh, both the soul of the father and the soul of the son is mine. So it doesn't write, regardless your age, the oldest person here and the youngest one, it says there that all of us are the Lord's in the sense that he has created us. And it continues to say, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So it doesn't matter if you're old and you think, well, I've lived long enough to uh, work out my salvation for myself. Or maybe you think that you're too young to have sinned uh, in so many ways. Regardless, you're the oldest one or the youngest one. You need Christ's salvation because you have broken God's law. The soul of the father and the soul of the, of the son are mine. The soul that sinneth shall die. So this, this scribe, when he heard those words, he would have realized that his, in his soul had sinned against God. The next aspect we read there, uh, and he will, he he, he, uh, he still love the Lord, his God, with all his mind. And the book of, in the book of Psalms, we read that the, uh, there's no thought of God in the mind, in the heart of men. So this son, again, in this aspect, he, 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 he would have realized if he, had, if he uh, took God's, God's law and compared to what the Lord was saying, he would have, this, he would have uh, um, realized that he was damned. He was condemned under God's law. And the last one, and with all thy strength. And again, in the book of, in the book of Psalms, for example, for just, just taking one of the passages, we read there that no man doeth God. There's none. There's no just. There's no righteous. So in all those aspects, the Lord was in here. The Lord was not showing here, or he was not teaching the law of God to, to show him that, well, if you do all these things, you are able to keep those things and you will go to heaven. You will be saved. The Lord was showing him through God's law that it's impossible for us, any one of us, regardless your age, regardless your situation, regardless your privileges, and this man had a lot of privileges. No one can obey God's law perfectly. We have all broken God's law. So all of us deserve God's wrath. And if you are here tonight, and you are without Christ, you need to realize that salvation does not depend on your mere external religious life, and you have broken God's law in every aspect, like anybody else, and like everybody else, and you're under God's wrath. So that's why this man was close to the kingdom of God, but at the same time, we have seen that this man was, uh, though he was close, to be close is not enough. So just another question, uh, very brief, very important. What is necessary, what do you need to be in the kingdom of God? Well, what this man had to do, uh, was necessary for him to do, is to trust in the one that was just, in, just before him. 
The one that was before him was the fulfillment of all those God's promises in the Old Testament. He was not only the fulfillment of all those promises and those prophecies, but he was also the fulfillment of God's law. He came to fulfill, he came to obey God's law perfectly for us on our behalf, in our place. So he not only took our place on the cross, he took our place at, in every single second of his life. Because you see, we have broken God's law through our life, in our soul, in our mind, in our strength, in every aspect of our life, all the time. So all the time, and in every aspect, he had to fulfill God's law. Every second of his life was a second of perfect obedience to God's law. And then he came to suffer the consequences of that broken law that we have broken. Though he was without sin, he was made sin for us. So this man had to appropriate through faith, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, that's what the Lord said in the, at the end. When this man uh, quoted again the Lord's word, and he said, well, uh, to love the Lord, you go with all the, uh, with all the aspects of, of my being, it's, it's, uh, and, and my neighbor as, as myself, that's the summary of the law of God. He said, that's even more, that's even more important is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Why? Because just external acts, external things, will never save anybody. It's by receiving Christ as your own and personal Savior through faith in his person and his finished work that you will be saved. That you will be in the kingdom of God. That you will stop from being close to the kingdom of God, and then from that moment on, and for eternity, you will be in the kingdom of God. Now, just before I finish, how could I show you the huge difference between being close to the kingdom of God, and that is not enough, and being in the kingdom of God? through faith in Jesus Christ. Just for the last, more or less, the last five minutes, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. Please use your, use your imagination. Picture yourself in this situation. Imagine you're in a boat, a big, big boat, right? And you're just enjoying, enjoying the, the trip. Right? Maybe it's a cruise. Uh, on the sea, and you just you, you're just resting there on your bed, but all of a sudden, you hear people screaming, shouting, and then you just come out of your room and you just come to the uh, to the top of the of the boat, and see that suddenly uh, the boat starts to sink. It's sinking into the sea. Now there's a problem here. Because you are not able to swim. You cannot swim. You don't know how to swim. That's a big problem. If the boat is sinking and you cannot swim, then that means if you sink there with the boat, you will perish. You will die. You will go into that bottom of the sea. When you're about to despair, when nearly all your hopes are gone, then you see 
There is not too far away, but it's not too close. There is a life jacket just floating on the surface of the water. Now, you have to hurry up because uh, by itself, uh, it's, uh, it's going to sink as well. So you have to make, you have to make up your mind. You, have, you, you decide to jump. But, so you just stand up. Sorry, you stand back. You stand back. And then you start running toward the edge of the boat. And then you just jump and just grab it. You grab, you got to grab it. You grab the life jacket. You just put it on. And now that it's put on, that you put it on, it doesn't matter that the boat is going to, that, that the boat is going to sink. Even some other people will surely die because that boat is sinking. But now you have the life jacket on you. You've put that jacket, that, that life jacket on. Regardless the fact that you cannot, you cannot swim. Translate that into what we are seeing. If you put on Christ through faith, that is, if you believe in him, his righteousness will be bestowed, will be placed upon you. You will, you, you will be clothed with Christ's righteousness. And then from that moment on, you will be saved. Because from that moment on, you will be in the kingdom of God. But there's another side of the story. We'll go back a few, a few seconds. We'll go back a few seconds. There you are, the same situation, the boat, and you stand back, and you see, you see the life jacket there, and you start running, but instead of grabbing the life jacket, you just missed it. You missed it. By this much. Even by this much. You nearly touched it. You were so, so close. But you see, to be close is not enough. To be close is not enough. And tonight, you're close to the kingdom of God. You know who is the Savior. You know that he can save you if you ask him for forgiveness of your sins, in repentance of your sins, and, uh, by and through believing in him through faith. That is to be close to the kingdom of God. But being close to the kingdom of God is not enough. You must come to Christ, believe in him, in repentance of your sins. You see, this story is left open. We don't know the end of the story. Why? Well, the reason why is that the story of your life right now, in a way, is open. Open to what you do right now. Uh, you, not, you need to, you need, and you must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is, as the word of God says, this is the day of salvation. Today, now is the, acceptable, is the acceptable time, is the day of salvation. So come, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in him. If you're not saved, please realize that if you're without Christ, you're close to the kingdom of God. But being close is not enough. 
in order to be in the kingdom of God, in order to be saved, in order to have everlasting life, in order to have your sins forgiven, there's no other way. You must put on Christ. You must believe in him as your own and personal savior. Maybe tonight, today, the day if you're without Christ, the moment, the day when you, when you will come to him and be saved through his blood and through his work. Let's pray. Our eternal heavenly Father, we thank thee for this great message of the gospel. Salvation in Jesus Christ, though we are sinners that deserve hell forever, for eternity. Because we have broken thy law in so many ways, in so many times, uh, so many times in different ways. But Father, we thank thee for thy son who became flesh. He took upon himself or, nature, or, or human nature in union with himself. He fulfilled everything that was necessary for us to receive forgiveness of sins and have everlasting life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank thee for those who are here gathered together tonight and by thy grace they've come to receive Christ in their hearts as their own and personal Savior through faith. Father, we pray that thou will also work in those who might be here tonight and they are without Christ, being so close to the kingdom of God, but nevertheless, close is not enough, and finishing at the end of their life, being so far away in that eternal punishment. Father, may not be that, uh, in this case, have mercy upon them, Work in their hearts. Call them to Christ through faith in him. And may you glorify it in all these things. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask now Mr. McLean if he can come and close the service for us, please. <laughs>